listening to audio from Twin Villages Church in Damariscotta, Maine. If you'd like to check out more resources, please visit twinvillageschurch.org. But this morning we're going to be um, in Hebrews chapter 11. Um, we're going to begin the, the Hall of Faith chapter. And I alluded to uh, last week that we're going to spend quite a bit of time in this chapter. The plan is um, to take um, each person that is mentioned um, in Hebrews chapter 11 and spend time kind of unpacking them. And so, you know, we start with Abel. And so Abel will be one message. Enoch will be one message. Noah will probably be two. But then once you start getting to like the Abrahams and the Moseses of the world, um, we're going to slow down and we're going to learn about them and spend some time unpacking their, their story that we see in the Old Testament. But last week we spent our last, uh, we, last week we spent time in the last part of chapter 10, which was a passage that was contained the warning about deliberate sin or high-handed sin towards God's. Um, there was a reminder of the joyful faithfulness that the people had in light of the suffering and the hard times and the trials that they were experiencing. And then there was an encouragement to not throw away their confidence. And so the warning stands for us today to, to not be high-handed towards God, uh, to remember the, the, those seasons of faithfulness and joyful faithfulness, even in the midst of trials. Um, and then the encouragement to not throw away the, our confidence, but to persevere in Christ. And the last verse, verse 39 of chapter 10, says this, But we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and persevere and preserve, rather, their souls. And so then the author now transitions to this, this hall of faith. And so we're going to spend this morning looking at the first three verses of chapter 11. And so I will read those for us this morning, and then I will pray for us, and then we will have um, some fun in God's word this morning. So the author of Hebrews writes these words. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. <laughs> now, let's pray this morning. Lord, I just thank you for our time. Lord, I thank you for uh, the, the privilege it is to gather here. But I do want to thank you again just for your faithfulness to this church. Lord, that four years ago was launching. And Lord, you have been so good to us. Lord, your mercies have indeed been new Every morning, you have given us grace upon grace, and so we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for the gift of your words. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to, to have your word in our hands, to be able to read it. Lord, your son Jesus said that your word is truth, and he prayed that we would be sanctified in your truth. Lord, so that is my prayer as well, that I would be sanctified, that we would be sanctified that those who may listen to this later on this week or maybe even stumble upon it, so to speak, Lord, that they would be sanctified in your truth. That, that because of our time here this morning, that we would know you better, or that we would love you more. And I pray this all in your name. Amen. So what we're going to do, we're going to talk about faith. And I want to, first of all, start by saying this in by no means is going to be an exhaustive, full-fledged definition of faith. 
But specifically, I think of what the author of Hebrews is talking about is persevering faith. Faith that sticks close and doesn't, you don't lose. And so a persevering faith is this, this bold confidence that we have in God and in Christ. It's an act, and then we then because of that, we, we then for we live a certain way and we do certain things, even in response to like the our unseen God and his his promises and his faithfulness. So it's an obedience to God and his work, his perfect work. Now we are not perfect, right? Nor are the people we'll be reading about and studying in the weeks ahead by any means perfect. But God is, and his work is perfect, and his will is perfect. And that work is going to play out in, a various, in various ways, in various situations, right? But that persevering faith ultimately leads to commendation from God. Now, faith is a tricky subject. Um, and so what I want to do this morning, before we go too much further, is talk about four kind of misconceptions of faith, because I think we have to have these in our minds as, as we start digging into these three verses. So number one is this idea that faith is God's goodness to, to me. Now see, that there's, there's truth there, but I need to kind of flesh this out for us a little bit. The idea here is that a good God can only produce good things and will only produce good things in my life because he's a good God and I'm his child's. So therefore, I should have um, a life of relative ease, of blessing, and of fruitfulness. Right Now, those things, to a degree, are true, but if we are honest with ourselves and we start thinking through life and maybe our life and our situations, we understand that that vision of faith, that definition of faith, kind of falls apart. Right, Because we don't all have lives of ease lives of blessing or goodness, right? We go through seasons of trial. We go through seasons of pain and seasons of suffering. <laughs> you can turn over a few pages to the book of James, and James helps us think through this, even just in chapter 1 alone. And we can read James chapter 1, verse 17, right? Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Yes. But earlier in chapter 1, in verses 2 through 4, James writes these words. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, Lacking nothing, right? So there's goodness and there's blessing, but there's trial. And even in the trial, you're to count it all joy. So number one, faith is goodness to me. Number two, faith as kind of a creed or, or, or a doctrine. And what I mean by this is like, and, and faith is a set of beliefs, absolutely. But persevering faith is more dynamic, Right? You're living your life in trust to God. So it, kind of, it rests on his 
goodness to us and his grace and his mercy, but it propels us in how we're to live. Right? So somebody who maybe has this idea of faith being a creed is you just got to have faith. You just have to have faith. More faith. Number three is faith is being a, a blind leap into the unknown. <laughs> there's so much unknown, there's so much uncertainty, that it's just this idea of like, well, I'm just going to take a step out here and we'll just kind of see what happens. And if I, if I have enough faith, then things will turn out well for me. And so you kind of disregard fact and and truth for just the stepping out into the, the unknown, into the blindness and darkness of the unknown. Where actually faith is trusting in God based upon facts of who he is and what he has done and his faithfulness and his goodness and his promises. So it's not a step out into the unknown. And then the fourth idea is faith is just like this, this life of devotion. And we need to have lives of devotion. (laughs) But what happens here, right, is that all of a sudden, faith can become anything that anybody wants it to be. It's not just a Christian faith. It can be the faith that you want it. It's spirituality, if you will. If If you're a good person, if you're sincere, have faith in those things. And things will turn out well for you. Be more purposeful, be more loving. It's very relative. You can make it what you want it to be, and that's not what persevering faith is. So we have to kind of have that idea, because we all come into this, like I came into this, with these kind of ideas of like, okay, this is what faith is. As we need to kind of know those, and maybe set those aside for a moment, and then hear what the author of Hebrews has to tell us. Because in verse 1, he says these words. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So there's two things happening here. There's two components, right? It's assurance and it's conviction. You need both. Now, the people that will study in the Old Testament, right, they had nothing but the promises of God to rest on, <laughs> right? Think of, think of Abraham, just as an example. God comes to Abraham and says, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Your offspring is going to be like the stars in the heavens. Abraham lives a certain way. Like he, he just, he's just living in light of that promise. He's trusting God. For, he has nothing else to go on except for, okay, it, it If you say so, okay. So Abraham took God at his words and then lived his life accordingly. As did the other people that we will study, as should we. So this idea of assurance, that, that word has been used two other times in the book of Hebrews. Number one, in chapter one, verse three, to describe the fact that Jesus is the exact imprint of God's nature. It's who Jesus is. 
And number the second time is in chapter 3, verse 14, and it has to do with, with confidence, right? That we are in partnership with Christ because of what God has done through Christ, and we have to hold on to that confidence. So there's like this, this, this idea of its, its nature, and, and, then, and it's who he is, and, it, and it's confidence. And there's, there's both of these ideas at play. So persevering faith, this idea of assurance Right, is that we can, we can grab hold of what is hoped for as something being very real. Like Jesus being the exact imprint of God. Or as Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 19, in him, in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. So there's this idea that we can, we, can, we can grab on to that. We can latch on to that. And, right, that there's this, there's this solid sureness. There's this confidence that we can have because of who God is and what he has done. We have an assurance. We can, we can latch on to it. We can grab it. And then we have this confidence in it. Because it rests in God, not in us. So these things that are hoped for are real. And those things that are hoped for give us confidence. Right? And, so here, like, and so here are some things that, that, we, that we hope for. Right? Here are some things that we hope for. Because this is, again, this is the assurance of things that we hope for. So as believers, what are some things that we hope for? Christ's return, right? He's coming back. Now, we don't know when, right? But it's been promised that he is going to return. So in the book of Titus, we read in verse 13 in chapter 2 that we wait for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We, we hope for that. We hope for glorification. Right? He's coming back, and when we're, we're, our bodies are going to be transformed, we're going to be glorified. We're going to be in heaven with our Lord and Savior. So the Apostle John can write in 1 John chapter 3 that we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Right, so there's this idea we, we hope for those things, right? I, I'm not going to have a bum knee in heaven, right? Praise God. And other, other people have got ailments too, right? Those are gone. And then ultimately, then number, a third one is that, that we'll, we'll, we'll reign with him, right? Think about, think about that. Right? These are things that we should be hoping for. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12, if we endure, we will also reign with him. And we can, we can hold on to those. And we can hold on to those and have confidence because it's rooted in God and what we, who we are in Christ. So that's the assurance piece, right? The assurance of things hoped for, but now there's this, this conviction of things unseen, Right? Because of the assurance that we have, we live with certain conviction. 
right? So we're, we're propelled out to live in a certain way, right? We, we, we fix our hope on God and what he has done in Christ and that assurance that we have in God. There's, there's the imperative, there's the indicative of who we are in Christ. And because of that, then we now live in the imperative a certain way. And it's these things that are not seen. They belong to the spiritual realm. They perhaps lie in the future. Right? But this, this persevering faith we have, we have such an assurance of who we are in Christ and a confidence of who we are in Christ. We live a certain way. There's a confidence because we, we know that God is at work. So as, as believers, right, we, 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 we see God at work. We see it in people's lives, right? We, we may not know the details. We may not know that we, we know like, boy, God's doing something with him, with them. Or maybe it's within a church or a family or even just, just a season that a family may be going through, we, we see God at work. We understand there's things going on that we're not aware of, that we can't put our fingers on, but we know God is working and he's doing things in many, many ways that we can't physically see with our own eyes. And because of that, it propels us out Paul says in Romans 8, chapter 24 and 25, for in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, right? For who hopes in what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with, with patience, right? That there's things going on and we can be patient as God is working and as God is moving, as his plan of redemption is playing out and we're part of that plan, we're part of that story, we can be patient and wait while he does what he does in his timing, but we know that God is working, although we can't see it. So physical eyesight helps us pick out things and we can see things and, and identify with things and it makes things visible and real and the author of Hebrews is saying, yeah, but your, your persevering faith, this, this assurance that you have, and this conviction that you have enables you to just see things from a different perspective, and you can see God at work. So persevering faith is just this, this dynamic assurance and this dynamic certainty and this conviction about who God is and what he has promised and who we are in Christ, right? So it's not brainless. It's not sentimental feelings. Because sometimes, man, you cannot go on your feelings. You have to go on faith and trusting in God and who he is and what he's doing. That's persevering faith. That's, that's verse, we, could, we could spend another two hours in verse one. Let's go to verse two. Right, because it's that type of faith, that assurance, and that conviction, right, that for by it, that faith, the people of old received their commendation. 
And so the commendation that the people of old, these, these Old Testament saints, these Old Testament heroes, right, the commendation that they received was for their faith in God. The assurance and the conviction. Moses' commendation was not because he led a group of people out, through the, out of Egypt through the Red Sea. It was because of his faith in God. These people took God at his word and they lived accordingly. And it produced fascinating, dynamic, earth-shattering results. So as we move forward in Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to start seeing some of these men and women, right? And seeing just how God used them to, to fulfill his purposes, his plans of redemption. As, a, as, as history ticks along and ticks by, we see the faithfulness of God. And these men who, who trusted him and who had this conviction and this assurance in him, and they lived a certain way. Now, they didn't do it perfectly, they didn't do it, and we're going to unpack some of, the, some of the skeletons and some of the warts that these people had. Right? And that should give us, by the way, great confidence, right? Because I got warts just like everybody else got warts. I've got sin in my life, but God is faithful. And because the, the audience, the original audience of this letter we're a little bit um, maybe slow to learn, um, as I am slow to learn, and maybe some of you are slow to learn. Um, the phrase, by faith, is used 16 times from here to the end of the chapter. 16. Just so you don't think that maybe it was because of what Moses did, or what Joseph did. No, it's his faith. That gave him the commendation from God. Because here's the, here's the reality um, for anybody who has ever walked the face of this, who everyone, anyone who ever will walk the face of this earth, who is walking the face of this earth, there are two things that you will receive from God. One of two things that you'll receive from God. Number one, commendation. Or number two, condemnation. That's it. There's no middle grounds here. Because of your faith that God gives you and the perseverance of that faith, you will have eternity with him in heaven. You'll be commended. You don't have that persevering faith. You turn your back on that faith and you have condemnation. Eternity is separated from God in, in hell. It's this persevering faith that will enable us to endure in service to God. Right? And these people that we're going to study in chapter 11, right, God is giving testimony to their faith. Right? They gave testimony to God right, in, their, in how they lived. And now God is turning around in the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 11 saying, here's, here are these men and women. Here, here's, here's faith for you. Here's an example. Now listen, they, they, they didn't do it perfectly. But here's, here's what faith looks like. I would encourage you for, for homework, because now there, there's this, right, there's this tension, obviously, um, between faith and works, right? Paul says in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, 
right? But it's by grace that you have been saved through faith, right? This is not your own doing. It's a gift of God. It's not a result of works so that you, you can't boast, right? God saves you through, through faith in, in him and Christ and in the gospel. Right? But then you, read, you get to James chapter 2, right? And it's like, well, gee, but yeah, but, but faith without works is dead, right? You're kind of like, okay, well, which, which one is it, right? So I would encourage you to read James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. I don't want to take the time. I think it would be a, a huge, perhaps, distraction and rabbit trail. Read that passage. But you have to read it, um, read it with open eyes, with open minds to what James is saying here, because two times he says, essentially, faith without works is dead, right? So this, the idea is this persevering faith that you have propels you out. You live a certain way, right? Because even the demons believe and shudder. But there's no good works there, right? So your, your, your faith, your persevering faith propels you out to good works. And so those good works give evidence to our faith. But our commendation is going to be because of our faith, not because of all the quote-unquote good that we think we may have done. So it's for those of us who are in Christ, who believe the gospel, Right, that are going to receive commendation from God, eternal life with him. If we have this persevering faith, then it pushes us and propels out to a life of good works. Verse 3. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And so the author now is saying, okay, Here's the assurance that you have. Here's the conviction that you have. And oh, by the way, any commendation you get is not because of what you do. It's because of your faith that God gives you. And now here's just an example of an illustration of belief in what is not seen. We understand that the universe was created by the word of God. Nobody in this original, probably who heard this letter, who was part of this church and this group of believers would have ever disputed that. No, God did indeed create. He's appealing back to Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2. So that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So God just, he spoke. And it came to be. He spoke. He didn't have a storehouse of, of raw materials that he was pulling from. Right? There wasn't a supply shortage and a supply chain shortage because of things. He just, he just spoke. And it came to be. And there was no human presence when that took place. And it was the Father it was the Son, and it was the Holy Spirit. There was no one there physically watching with their eyes what God was doing. He just spoke it, and it was. So visible creation comes from the invisible. It comes from 
the unseen God and his, and his words and what he spoke. Right? How, how do we know this? How do we, how do we believe that? Faith, right? Faith. That's why the psalmist can write in Psalm 33, verse 6, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, by the breath of his mouth all their hosts. Psalm 19, 1, The heavens declare the glory of God in the sky above, proclaim his handiwork. Right? God, God created. He did it. He spoke and it happens, and it is, and we now live in it. So God, God is eternal. He always was, always is, and he always will be. And this persevering faith understands that he, he's at work and he does things and we can go right just back to Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2 and see the work of God. The invisible work of God making things visible and you believe that because of faith. And if we believe that, then that should propel us out because we trust him. We believe and what he has done, and what he is doing. So a persevering faith can look at creation, right, and say, right, yeah, okay, God God created this. Right? Yeah, you, you go down to Pemaquid Lighthouse during a storm, sit and watch the waves. Right? Faith and I were driving around last night, and we just go, we went, we were out in the Jefferson area and we were driving down this road and then we came around this corner and there was a field of lupin, right? That just like takes your breath away, right? God created, it, it gives evidence to him. Although he's invisible, although we can't see him, it gives evidence to who he is. So what happens, right, is that when you start all right, to undo <laughs> biblical creation, right? And, and there's, there's many nuances here, I understand that. But when you start removing God from creation, things fall apart, right? The creator and sustainer of this world, right? You start removing him, then things fall apart, Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Paul goes on, for although they knew God, they didn't honor him as God or give thanks to him. They became futile in their thinking, 
Their foolish hearts were darkened, claiming to be wise. They became fools because they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. You remove gods from creation. It begins this downward spiral. <laughs> you can read the rest of Romans chapter 1. And so the author of Hebrews is saying, you, this, this, this faith, right? remember, go back to chapter 10, verse 20, verse 39. We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, who receive condemnation, right? But of those who have faith and preserve their souls, commendation. Here's why, because you have a faith, you have this assurance and this conviction, right? And that's what you get your commendation from. It's not what you do. Even they've been in the Old Testament, it was, it was their faith that got them their commendation. And all you have to do is go back and just look at creation. Look at God speaking things into existence. And you believe it, why? Because of faith and who God is and what he has done. So we can have this, 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 this confidence, this, this boldness. Right? And, and we can respond to what, to what God is doing and how he is working and moving because of God and because of who he is. Even though he's unseen, we know he's working. We can read his word. We can read his promises. We can read just what he's calling us to do. And we can step out and we can live that life. And that is a life that will receive commendation from him and eternal life. <laughs> we need to wrestle with this. We need to, I needed to wrestle with this this week. Right, your memory verse for this week is uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. We, we, we need to, to wrestle. We are such a visual people. We need to see. And y'all of you are saying, no, no, no. What matters more is what you don't see. Right? What God working and God moving and who he is and his faithfulness and his promises. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for your words. Lord, I thank you that you, that you call us to faith. Lord, your apostle Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1 that you've given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Lord, you give us the faith that we need. Lord, but it's our responsibility to persevere in that faith, even in the midst of trials and struggles and persecution and suffering. Lord, we need to rest in who you are and what you have done. We need to have assurance in who you are. We need to have conviction in who you are. And live in light of those two things. Because it is in those that we will endure. 
but in you call us to endure. Lord, you call us to a life of works, not to earn favor with you, but in response to your grace and your goodness and the faith that you give us and our understanding of you and your gospel and your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, it's my prayer that I and those here and those who may listen, Lord, that we would not be of those who shrink back. Lord, that we would be a people who steps forward and who pushes forward with a confidence and assurance that can only possibly come from you and is because of you and you alone. And I pray this all in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Twin Villages Church in Damariscotta, Maine. Feel free to share this message with others. And for more information about Twin Villages Church, visit TwinVillagesChurch.org. Soli Deo Gloria.